0: Welcome, everyone. Dr. Kelly and I today are very excited about the guest. It is Dr. Joseph Ladapo. He is, of course, the Surgeon General from the state of Florida. Uh, I've had been an admirer of his from afar for quite some time and uh, very anxious to speak with him. So uh, hopefully I won't gush too much, but uh, I think he has conducted himself admirably in tough positions during this uh, extraordinarily confusing experience. He is in addition to the Surgeon General of the state of Florida. Of course, he's an MD and a PhD. Uh, the MD from Harvard Medical School, the PhD from the Health Policy School at uh, Harvard. He also worked as an associate professor in medicine and health policy at UCLA. So, Dr. Ladipo has uh, well more than enough training and experience to have a reasonable opinion that should be listened to in the setting of unclear circumstances, such as we have been through in COVID. And he has made some, he has put some, made some decisions and. Uh, made, called some shots that uh, he was criticized for that turned out to be right, of course. We'll get into all of that. your well, I'm not sure we'll have time for calls today, but then, of course, Dr. Kelly will join us as well. We'll be with it right after this. Our laws as it pertain to substances are draconian and bizarre. The psychopaths start this right. He was an alcoholic because of social media and pornography, PTSD, love addiction, fentanyl and heroin, ridiculous. <laughs> I'm a doctor for <laughs> say where the hell you think I learned that? I would like to proceed without any delay to introduce my guest, the Florida Surgeon General, Dr. Joseph Latipo. Dr. Latipo, thank you and welcome.
3: Hey, hey, Dr. Drew, thanks for having me on.
0: It's a privilege. So, a couple—I have a couple of broad questions for you to start out with. Um, one, I've been just sort of wanting to ask you because you've had an interesting perspective on what we've been through. This experience, meaning the COVID, the whole COVID experience and our government's response, or the world's response to it, really. Let's not just say the Western response. There was a world response that was difficult to understand, bizarre and eye-opening. What the hell happened to our profession?
3: Yeah, and what's still happening, I would say, Dr. Drew, because there's there's been very little appreciation or very little reconciliation with what our part in uh, so many of the 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 harmful coercive inhumane policies that that happen, mm-hmm. even though many of those policies, uh, the federal government and most states have pretty much backed off from. No longer carting eight year olds before they can walk into restaurants in in New York City or Los Angeles. It's, it's, you know, so it's, that, it's coming back
0: in L.A. Maybe, maybe oh, coming maybe, back. Right? Yeah, maybe. yeah. And that's, and
3: I think that that is, that's the issue. There really has been no, there's really been no actual accountability and acceptance of things that were clearly either immoral or just not smart policies. And yeah, so whatever's happened to our profession is still happening.
0: One of the things I noticed was the excesses of public health, this fiat authority without the need for defend their position at all, which to me is just ridiculous, but that's a a wrinkle in our constitution. But more, there was another sort of piece, another weakness that was exposed to me, which was that, lo and behold, all the public health officials in real authority are either sociologists, not clinicians, or pediatricians, which makes sense when vaccine policy is a major feature of public health, but when you're trying to make decisions about adult medicine they didn't seem prepared to me. For instance, they were freaking out about some of the observations neurologically with COVID, which they didn't know that, guess what? When you talk to old, old people get sick, their brain shrinks, they get neurological symptoms, and then they get better. That's what happens to old people when they get sick. Well, a pediatrician doesn't know that and freaks out about some of the observations. That's the kind of thing I was seeing happen, That uh, another weakness in, in the public health policy system.
3: Yeah. Yeah. That, that was happening. And I I mean, I think you, you might even be giving them undue credit, Dr. Drew, because I think (laughs) if you had your PhD in astrophysics, as long as you said the right things, right. The masks always work. Shutting down schools is, is like, that's a good idea for children and everyone's got to take the vaccine. I mean, they didn't care what that, what the heck you studied or where you went to school. You know, that was the thumbs up. But as soon as you said something different, it didn't matter if you were a professor at UCLA or a practicing clinician. You know, you just you said the wrong things, and oh, and you don't have your oh, we maybe you studied this, but your PhD is not in epidemiology, so we can't listen to anything. You, you know, your PhD yeah, is not in yeah. epidemiology of rare diseases
0: in yeah, between right. in the twenty first
3: century, so we can't listen right. to anything
0: right, so it's so bizarre. So, yeah, that that I'm still you're right. I'm still running into that kind of nonsense. and it, it's it's hard to reconcile. I, I right lately, it's been on the vaccine front where, if you say anything other than this major push they're making. And and my thing is like, well, maybe they're right. I just wanna understand. I I can't understand why I don't really know yet the relative risk of vaccine versus COVID for a 25-year-old. Why don't I really know that yet? I mean, there's some evidence that the relative risk does not fall down on the side of vaccinating. And why am I vaccinating infants and three-year-olds? Why why am I doing that? Explain to me why I'm doing that. I I just can't get it. And, and And I'm willing to accept that maybe the reason I don't get it as I'm not a pediatrician. I'm an internist. Maybe pediatricians have a different, you know, sort of risk decision-making or risk tolerance than than an internist does. I'm willing to accept that, but we're not getting any of those answers. We're just getting do it and then crushed if you say anything otherwise, which is bizarre when it comes to vaccine policy. I I don't give shingles or pneumovax to five-year-olds. I don't give Shingrix and Prevnar to 15-year-olds. There's There's age-targeted... Vaccine therapies in almost all situations. Why this vaccine? If you bring that up, you're somehow a, a sinner.
3: I know. It's, 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 we've taken, and, you know, it's, it's also interesting because many people think that, oh, well, Dr. Fauci and Dr. Walensky are right. Everyone should get it from the little baby to the 90 year old. But we're actually the outlier in this country. I mean, that's the paradox of it. That's the irony of it. Most European countries they don't have many of them are not even recommending these vaccines anymore in young people you know they have age cutoffs right. or That's special right. circumstances younger people who have yeah. conditions so we are really the yes. outlier and it, to this day there's not a there's not a shred of randomized clinical trial evidence that shows a health benefit in children i mean it it doesn't right. exist these it doesn't exist
0: and, and so, and so- and so given given that construct which is absolutely accurate which we're the only ones doing this explain to me why please just explain to me help me understand i, I t- talk to me but but to have collegial conversation today seems to be impossible i mean i vaccinate my older patients i i had some interesting calls today with a couple of patients that were in their 80s that you know had net covid were masking diligently and didn't want the vaccine but we it was it gets complicated even in the elderly population for a 25 year old I'm seeing tons of supraventricular arrhythmias. I've seen myocarditis. I've not seen COVID, I'm just one practitioner. I, I, there's something going on there, and I'm really concerned about it. And just because I'm concerned, I'm a devil.
3: Right, right. Well, you know, I, I wrote a book, Transcend Fear, a blueprint for mindful leadership in public health. And with your question, I talk about it a little bit. And I, I think it, you know it, it's got different a few different components. They're the easy ones, like Pfizer. They'll vaccinate cattle. I mean, if they can make a buck, they will. They will vaccinate. Yeah. They will stick the needle in anything. And I get it; it's their yeah. right. Too bad that the CDC and the FDA feel that they also need to prop them up. But, <laughs> but, but so that, obviously that's a piece, the greed piece with with them. Something I discuss in the book in more detail that I, I do think is a component is the indoctrination we receive as medical students during mm-hmm. medical school and mm-hmm. I myself I mean I was certainly part of it I believe that you know vaccines were the best thing since I spread when I came out of medical school and during clinical practice and it took very frankly these these just mind bending decisions and policy positions and the denial of data about safety. It's just like, oh, if it's bad, we don't wanna hear about it from state and federal leadership for me to wake up to the fact that something else was going on. And and I, I do think that is a part of it, The the indoctrination that we often receive in the medical community and the public health community about vaccines and and it's not a thing and I'm not saying something against or for them. I'm saying that you can't make if you want to make rational public health decisions, you have to consider them like you consider every other medication that people put in their body. Yes. And, yes. and you will be able to make the best decisions for public health if you don't do that. If you give them the benefit of the doubt and basically, come in with this mindset that they have to be a good thing. I mean, you're set up for lots of different cognitive decision errors, which is exactly yeah. part of at least part of what we've seen.
0: Yeah, and, and I would argue that uh, the whole non-pharmacological intervention, when safety Uber Alice became this weird, this weird uh, uh, clarion call that the risk reward analysis that we do on a daily basis with every patient with every decision was completely tossed out it was, it was like no no risk analysis no risk reward considerations and again as we talked about earlier some of these people were sociologists and things they have no ability to make they don't understand how to make they've never made those sorts of decisions so why would we expect them to
3: yeah and somehow you know and, and nothing against her but except that I don't like her ideas, but the woman who, you know, Dr. Ferrer, I think Barbara Ferrer in Los Angeles, I mean, she's, she has, I'm sure she's a great social worker uh, or social work scientist or whatever uh, her training is, but she has, she's not a doctor. And, and, you know, she's this idea of, of considering risk benefits and nuances is just totally foreign to her so i i totally agree with you and it's uh, you know it's it's been a problem in the pandemic and unfortunately a lot of people have been have been injured whether it's Moral injury from being forced or coerced to take something or participate in something like, you know, masking their kid or whatever that they didn't want to do, or even physical injury and not having any sort of, any sort of, you know, clinical care or attention. Rather, you get called names because you happen to develop this complication that you think was because of a vaccine you took, but no one believes that's possible.
0: And the psychopathogenesis is just off the chain right now. We're starting to read up. From the beginning of the pandemic, I said we are destroying eight to fifteen-year-olds. They are now ten to you know, sort of eighteen, whatever. And now you're starting to see that age group have suicide, substance, everything up, up, up. And it's good. Plus, you know, we had uh, yet unexplained. all cause mortality up that I'd love to know what that is and why there's not a rush to explain that in western countries is very hard to understand but I but I yeah I've one more question for you before we bring Kelly in here which was Florida had a really interesting and that's the kindest word I can think of experience mm-hmm. around monoclonal antibodies when you guys put out your mobile units and started dist- I thought oh my god there it is I monoclonal antibodies kept me out of the hospital I had delta and I got really sick and Uh, I got uh, amlinivumab at the time, and uh, I know they just took Beptilevimab off the market like yesterday, which is one of the last ones separate conversation, what happened in Florida where you were being given adequate amounts of monoclonal antibodies, you got mobile units, you were, you know, public health should be about teaching people also how to respond to their illness when they get it, and what kind of treatments are available and where you get them. Nobody except Florida did that, and you did it in a way I was, I admired it like crazy, mobile units with monoclonal antibodies, this is the best, and then it was shut down. And it looked like it was shut down by the federal government as some sort of retribution for something to me, but you tell me what happened. (laughs)
3: Yeah, we, well, you're you're right, and I, I I actually want to say that you know thank goodness for Governor DeSantis because I've heard from many people even outside of the state they didn't even know what monoclonal antibodies were until yeah. he started yeah. talking about, them. and so he saved lives yeah. in Florida and saved lives outside of Florida, and that's a fact, and yeah. it's it it's just a shame that public health officials. We're just trying to railroad everyone onto one track and consider treatment a distraction from the vaccine campaign or the stay at home campaign or the wear the mask everywhere campaign. And what you're referring to, it's almost been a year now. I guess it's been like 10 months or so, but we've been using them in Florida and the feds pulled them based on laboratory data about omicron and the sensitivity of the affinity of some of the monoclonals to the to the omicron and my position during that time was well you need more than considering the limited options at that time and paxilvid wasn't available there weren't really you know there were off-label things but there wasn't anything that was sort of widely accepted by the medical community for example as a treatment So considering the the lack of alternatives, you really need more than some, some experiment in the laboratory to pull something. But not surprisingly, common sense wasn't something that showed up all of a sudden with the federal government. So they pulled it when nothing else was really available for people to take on an outpatient basis. That was another decisional error. That was a decision error. It was a bad decision that they did that. And, you know, we we fought back, which is, uh, which is uh, you know, pro- appropriate. It's one of the fun things I like about my job is that when they say nonsense, whatever the issue, transgender care on little kids, hormone blockers on little kids or, you know, or vaccine mandates or other silly stuff that they do, we get to push back. And give a voice for people who feel similarly. So, you know that's that's history now. But the the problem certainly continues to persist with just policies that make zero sense on the federal side.
0: When uh, it, it really kind of rolled off your tongue rather easily. I forget your exact language, but how the federal government ignored treatment uh, to railroad people into these fear based solitary policies about stay at home and or get a vaccine it, yeah. it is when you when i hear you say it, it it makes me a little sick to my stomach it, it it's it so opposite it, it kind of i feel ashamed for our profession you know that, that, that that's that's this bad medicine it's just the worst uh, using fear i when since when did we ever when did public health Ever I think using fear is the way did we use fear with HIV and AIDS? Is that is that way of shame and fear? Did we use fear in the 1918 f- influenza pandemic? It, it's just such a disgusting move. And then, in the name of doing that, to ignore keeping people alive with treatments that had they known about, they would ask for and come for. It's just a breathtaking. I, I hope the history is written in such a way that reflects how breathtaking some of these decisions were. But in any event, um, we're gonna take a little break. Well, I appreciate it. And I appreciate you just saying it so casually because that's what happened. That's exactly what happened. And it's, uh, another element of confusion for me is why our peers don't see that or why they support that or why that's okay. Or uh, it's just so, so, so confusing to me that, that, we can't do what we've always done in medicine, was bring these topics up and challenge each other with. That's what, that's what Dr. Kelly and I have been trying to do on this program. It's just like, let's talk to everybody and see what's going on. See, if, if I don't agree with somebody's position, that we used to call that interesting. Right. <laughs> the interesting ideas, I don't agree with them, I don't, don't, I don't like the argument, whatever it is, or I disagree for various reasons, but how interesting that they made me think about outside the box. That's all we called that. We didn't say that needs to be silenced. We called it interesting. Isn't that something?
3: It it is. And and I I could not agree with you more, Dr. Drew. And it's, it's just so obvious how, how profoundly unethical it was to, to ignore people's preferences and, and force them into your conception of what they should do and how they should behave. and, yeah, that and then it, it's of course ludicrous that it's got to be codified, right? You have to have laws. In fact, that, that that tell doctors what doctors can and can't say for this disease. I mean, give me a break, really. You're passing a law by lawmakers who've never been to medical school, and you know, I mean, it, it's just so absurd. It's like a Saturday Night Live kid, except it's not. It's it's real life. <laughs>
0: Well it, it's it's interesting to me that, that a lot of the uh extremely outlying problematic phenomenon you're, you're, you, you are aware of, which I'm glad you are, is out here in California. And so I know that's what you're talking about. And so I I appreciate you knowing the names of the people we've been struggling with, the policies that are in place in the state. Uh, I've talked to the Board of Medical Quality Assurance, the, the president, who's a lovely attorney, and I felt reassured speaking with her that there were not going to be any excesses. And then I woke up the next morning in a cold sweat going, but what, what happens when she's out? What happens when somebody else is in there? So, because they have this law and they can, you know, as you know, the excesses come. All right, yeah. let's, uh, If you anything else before I wrap up for a brief second to bring Dr. Victory in here?
3: Yeah, no, we're good. Yeah.
0: All right, let's uh, take a break and we'll bring Dr. Kelly Victory in and then back with the Surgeon General of Florida, Dr. Joseph Ladapo. Want to give the gift that keeps on giving? GenuCell skincare keeps everyone on your holiday list looking young and refreshed. And who doesn't need that type of luxury, especially over the holiday season? GenuCell has so many products that Susan and I love. GenuCell's XV Moisturizer locks in moisturizer on top of the serums, making dry spots a thing of the past, especially great with the colder climate and all the dryness of our skin, right? And with Genucel's Immediate Effect 2 eye cream, you can see the results in as little as 12 hours. Guaranteed or your money back. Susan loves Genucel's DFS Vitamin C Serum, the new deep firming serum, as well as the hyaluronic with C and lactic acid, which hydrates your skin and makes fine lines a thing of the past, while hopefully preventing future wrinkles from forming.
1: I am a snob when it comes to using products on my face. The dermatologist makes a ton of money from me. But when I was introduced to Genucel, I was so happy because it's so affordable and it works great. I was introduced to the Ultra Retinol Cream, which I love at night. All the eye creams are amazing. People notice my skin all the time and I'm so excited because it's actually working.
0: Take advantage of amazing holiday savings by going to Genusel.com, and you will get 60% off with a special holiday stocking stuffer when you subscribe to my favorites package at slash drew and all orders are upgraded to free shipping for the rest of the holiday season. We will get it there quickly. Use code Drew at checkout for an extra 10% off your entire order. That slash genucell.com/drew. G-E-N-U-C-E-L dot com slash drew. Economic turmoil has a lot of people wondering what our government will do next. Will it be more wasteful spending, higher taxes? How do you protect your hard-earned savings? The answer could be gold. Gold is the world's oldest, most proven form of currency. It's there when inflation soars and when other assets go sideways. And that's why Birch Gold is thrilled to introduce a new product that reimagines gold as currency, the goldback. This month, you'll get a free goldback for every $5,000 purchased when you convert an existing IRA or 401k into a precious metals IRA with Birch Gold by December 22nd. Susan's birthday, incidentally. Birch Gold will help you own gold and silver in a tax-sheltered account. Visit birchgold.com slash drew to claim your free info kit on gold and then talk to one of their precious metals specialists. Reminder, I do not give financial advice. This is not financial advice, but you can go to Birch Gold and with every purchase you make before December 22nd, you'll get a free gold pack. This is a stocking stuffer just in time for Christmas. Once again, visit birchgold.com slash drew Some platforms have banned the discussion of controversial topics. This episode ends here. The rest of the show is available at drdrew.tv.
2: There's nothing in medicine that doesn't boil down to a risk-benefit calculation. It is the mandate, public health, to consider the impact of any particular mitigation scheme on the entire population. This is uncharted territory, Drew.
0: And welcome back and welcome Dr. Kelly Victory. And Dr. Victory, I give you the Surgeon General for the State of California.
2: Thank you, Dr. Latipo, thank you so much for uh, for being here. I've really been looking forward to this conversation. You are a true ray of sunshine during this entire debacle. Uh, and I, I can't tell you how much we appreciate your, your leadership. Uh, germane to your conversation with Drew at the opening, I have said many, many times during this pandemic, I hope the next crisis involves something like international financial markets or commodities pricing or something I know nothing about so that I can opine tirelessly and argue (laughs) with people who have years of graduate education and have spent their lives doing this. I I just can't wait. I'm just hopeful that we're rebuilding, you know, drug carburetors or something Um, because I got opinions, boy, I got opinions on the the matter. Um, you, You are, <laughs> certainly no no stranger to the egregious censorship that's gone on during this. Uh, you and I have, have both suffered it certainly I'm I'm still banned from Twitter. but one of the things that I got a time out for is a study and I'm going to get a little bit more into the weeds here uh, on some of this. It was a, this study, that you have pointed out, and I believe uh, also took some flack for regarding the cardiac impacts or cardiac ill effects, myocarditis specifically, the risk to eight in eighteen to thirty-nine year old males. So I, and that has helped you to form a, a, a well-educated opinion, a well-informed opinion with regard to um, the advice regarding vaccines in that particular age group. So I'd like to start by, can you just sort of recap those findings um, from that study and sort of where you stood then or where your stance came down on vaccination policies as a result of that study?
3: Yeah, yeah. um, And actually I should say first, uh, Dr. Victory, it's great to see you. And I know you've been in this fight from as far back as I can remember during the pandemic, so I've appreciated your stances and your, you know, your balanced presentation of science and common sense, uh, I've appreciated that, I, I've, I've appreciated that. So we, we, we did, we did a study that, that is weird that we had to do it, considering not only was already known about clinical myocarditis in adolescent boys and young men, but also what was starting to be realized about subclinical myocarditis. So these these are cases of myocarditis that don't make it to the hospital, so they don't get counted in these studies of myocarditis with people showing up hospitalized. But nonetheless, individuals have evidence of cardiac injury and so far even though estimates maybe it's one in somewhere between 1 in 2000 and 1 in 10000 uh, young people who are males have are hospitalized with myocarditis after these mRNA COVID-19 vaccines the second shot or or more or the boosters for for that is you know that's uncommon but there's a study, as you know, out of Thailand that found, I think, a rate around 2 or 3% for evidence of cardiac injury after the mRNA COVID-19 vaccines, which is huge, right? That's an enormous mm-hmm. to think that, you know, three out of 100 people, two, three out of 100 people are having evidence of, of cardiac injury. And there's another study, which I'm also sure you're aware of, that was done. I think in Switzerland, at the University of Basel, that was a study of healthcare workers after receiving a booster, and mm-hmm. around two or three percent of them had elevated cardiac enzymes after the booster. So there's a the, the cardiac profile of these vaccines has not been well studied. should have been already well-studied. Millions of them have been given out to, you know, tens of millions of them have been given out to the populations most likely to be affected. Like, why don't we know the answers to these questions already, right? right? But because of all that, we looked more closely at specifically cardiac deaths because what, you know, for the people in the audience who aren't clinical, one of the concerns that you have when there is inflammation in the heart is that you could have a fatal arrhythmia that's that is how sometimes people essentially drop dead or die suddenly is from a fatal arrhythmia and our hearts are like electricity in terms of how the 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 message or the communication for the heart to to contract and to beat is so areas of the heart that have inflammation that would normally be carrying would be conducting that message to beat can be thrown off and that can lead to a fatal arrhythmia so it's not a trivial concern and we looked at the outcome of sudden cardiac death in floridians men and women at different age groups and we found the main finding was that in young men unlike any other population that we looked at in young men there was a signal for a much higher risk of cardiac death. There was a signal that indicated that these COVID-19 vaccines were increasing, increasing the mRNA COVID-19 vaccines were increasing cardiac death. And, you know, and, and then we said that. And at this point in the pandemic, it doesn't make sense to, you know, almost everyone who's dying from COVID at this point is older. It doesn't make sense to be using a drug that you know potentially increases cardiac death in young people. That just doesn't make sense.
0: And and, and they've you know, all it, been exposed already. They've oh, all yeah. they all have antibodies, They're 85% exposed. So at very minimum, you're giving them the risk of the vaccine. If if someone wants to make the case that the COVID is the higher risk than the vaccine, at minimum, we're giving them the vaccine and the COVID risk. We're giving them both at minimum. That's right. what we're doing. But I have a question for both of you guys. I was thinking about this morning. I, I've we've seen Dr. Dr. McCullough makes a lot of spike protein in the myocardial tissue in the in the parenchyma of the myocardium. Right. Dr. Ryan Cole makes a lot of the spike protein and inflammatory process being in the endothelium, and thereby being really kind of an endotheliitis that is affecting the heart. I personally have seen strange. I've told Kelly this repeatedly. Strange, really, sort of. Uh, AV nodal source arrhythmias. I mean, really high-node arrhythmias in young males, I don't know, I've never seen that before. Rates of 250 in these high-node sources. What, and I, that to me seems neither uh, uh, the endotheli- endotheliitis or the myocarditis, maybe it's a residual of one or the other. My question to both of you is, what do we think the pathophysiology is, or do we just not really know yet? Because they're not answering those questions.
2: Well, I can tell. You, I'd love to hear Dr. Uh, Latipo's thoughts on it. I can tell you, I think it's multifaceted. I think some of it is pure inflammation around the AV node. Um, I think there's no question. There's also deposition of both spike protein and lipid nanoparticles in the hypothalamus and in other areas of the brain that actually uh, impact and control rate. Uh, We know that there's some uh, androgenetic uh, components to it. There's some adrenal component. People are having spikes of blood pressure uh, erratic and labile blood pressures that may be, uh, you know, related to catecholamines yeah, pots, and other, uh, yeah, there, yeah. So there's a lot, I think, I don't think it's one simple, uh, one size fits all. But I think the important thing about what Dr. Latipo is presenting is you, the study you did in Florida looked at 18 to 39 year olds. The Taiwan study looked at 13 to 18 year olds. So we now have right. covered a, you know, three plus decades of life. And the Taiwan study, by the way, did an extensive cardiac workups prior to vaccination. They did, you know, all full cardiac workups found these kids had no evidence of cardiac abnormality and it was nearly 30%, 29.4% ended up with cardiac abnormalities following vaccination. So all of this Mm -hmm. together, um, you know, and I think the critical piece and what i want wanted to ask you next with a regard to this finding is you're talking about the age group that encompasses fundamentally everyone who's in college who's in university the vast majority of military recruits the vast majority of healthcare workers the vast majority of frontline public health servants police officers firefighters emts paramedics so you are talking about a group all of whom have had vaccine mandates in place, and all of whom you have determined in this study are putting themselves at significant risk of this potentially fatal thing when they were at a relatively de minimis risk, very relatively low risk of any severe outcome from COVID. So these things, it is not simply the medical risk, it's the impact that these mandates have had on all of these different industries, on all of these groups of people. So talk about in the state of Florida, more than any other state, you guys were addressing those issues with regard to university students, healthcare workers, frontline workers, and in developing different policies that made sense on the basis of the scientific findings.
3: Yeah, totally. And, you know, hats off to governor DeSantis because Because before the the legislature, fortunately, came in and we worked with them and they passed some bills that stopped the vaccine mandates in Florida. Uh, Basically, if you wanted to force your employees to do it, you had to accept the Florida exceptions, exemptions. And I mean, we, we had every exemption that you would need to, to not do it, whether it was religious or medical because you had COVID or you're a young woman or, or, and want to, or thinking about being pregnant or might be pregnant or whatever, there were, there were a lot of options, but you're, you're totally right. You're totally right, Dr. Victory, because, because this, it was, it's ironic, right? You're forcing people who, you know, they're, they're very unlikely to benefit. There's a recent preprint that shows 94% of people already even have, antibodies uh, have have received have contracted covid that was uh, from harvard and some other universities you're you're forcing people to take something that increasingly we're hearing learning more about cardiac risk without like what's the commensurate benefit at this point in the pandemic there's none so no you're totally correct (laughs)
2: One of the things that uh, Governor DeSantis did early on was at least put out an, an offer, and I, I never followed up on it, um, that anybody who was wanted to move from a state that was requiring them to be vaccinated against their will, whether they were firefighters, police officers, healthcare workers, he was incentivizing people, saying, come to Florida, we'll take you. Um, and I thought it was a brilliant move, like so many other of his brilliant moves uh, that are not just political, they actually uh, have teeth to them and make sense and benefit the people of Florida. Did you guys get any, any takers on that? Did people come to Florida from other states? Oh my gosh.
3: So many people have moved to Florida in those, in that, you know, first responders, police officers. So many people have moved to Florida for sure. Like, for sure. Many, many, many people have moved here. And yeah, we've got a, we've got we have a lot of new Floridians. And uh, and guess what? They're very happy to be here.
2: <laughs> yeah, well, they, well right there was, I just I just read an interesting report. Um, there's been an unprecedented exodus from healthcare in in 2021. I think it's somewhere in the range of Mm -hmm. 300,000 healthcare providers. And that's a mix of doctors, nurse practitioners, physician assistants, uh, and those sorts of things. But the vast majority of that 300 plus thousand was amongst physicians. People leaving uh, largely because they did not want to either um, be forced to have a vaccination or because of these just um, uh, repressive laws that have been passed, as you said, you know, censoring and fundamentally criminalizing physicians from disagreeing from the uh, with with the government on some of these things. I've said over and over, you know, North Korea's got nothing on us out here in California. Um, you know, we, we are we are limiting what physicians can can do. In Say and it's uh, it's really it's terrible. Um, so, uh, right. it, where does where's <laughs> oh, Florida stand sorry. right now with regard? As you say, where's Florida stand right now with in terms of vaccine mandates for anybody?
3: Well, the, the COVID nineteen vaccine mandates it's it's a it's a done deal. Organizations either have to abide by Florida law or you know, we have, we have some, there repercussions. There was the issue with the special Olympics several months ago mm-hmm. where they pulled a bait and switch uh, to the best of my understanding with, with people who had registered to do the, to participate in the special Olympics in Florida. And then we're told, and, and we're told that they didn't have to have a COVID-19 vaccine. And then we're told that they couldn't, they couldn't participate if they didn't have the COVID nineteen vaccine, and we you know, we we took that very seriously. A lot of families contacted us. I mean, it was really devastating for a lot of a lot of athletes who had been training, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden mm-hmm. they now couldn't attend unless they submitted to a vaccine that. some of these families they don't they purposely you know their, their kids are sensitive they have sensitive systems and they're concerned about the effects of introducing you know foreign foreign materials into their into their body which is they're perfectly within their right to feel that way and so we we went to the mattresses for them and the special olympics backed down so you know florida the vaccines are available for people who want them but this whole thing of shoving it down people's throats and pulling the rug under from underneath them and not permitting any exemptions like that. That's not part of that's not that's not here.
2: How how does that work with the federal mandate for CMS, however, because the, the, the mandate still exists as far as I understand it for any hospital or system that uh, that takes reimbursement from Medicare and Medicaid. The federal guideline is that those hospitals, I thought, have to have a vaccine mandate in place for their healthcare workers, is that not the case in Florida? Or have you found a workaround?
3: It is right. It is true. But in that in that federal mandate, they also have to accept religious and medical exemptions. So, from okay. my conversations with doctors, that seems to be the route that's been taken for healthcare gotcha. workers who don't want gotcha. to who don't want to participate in that.
2: Okay, that's great. Um, one of the other things I really wanted to talk to you about is how it's working. I, I practiced in Florida for many, many years. I'm sorry I let my Florida medical license lapse. I was in Palm Beach County for many years uh, practicing. It, it now is the true safe haven. Um, but we, we are have lived through a uh, three years of unprecedented therapeutic nihilism with, with this Uh, pandemic. Uh, We have acted, doctors have acted, public health officials have acted, uh, our leaders have acted as if there wasn't a real uh, cadre of safe, effective, readily available treatments for COVID when you and I both know that was not the case. Uh, We had protocols put together very early on in this pandemic that were incredibly uh, safe and effective. Right now, the first uh, lawsuit, I think, was just um, getting pushed through in Wisconsin. A Supreme Court in Wisconsin uh, has now allowed an amicus brief to be filed by the American Association of uh, Physicians and Surgeons against a hospital looking into what is the, the legality or illegality of a hospital denying a patient to be able to get medications like ivermectin or hydroxychloroquine from a physician who wants to prescribe those things. Um, Where are things in terms of CMS protocols and, you know, hospital protocols in the state of Florida with regard to the ability for physicians to have that conversation with patients and make decisions that are free from interference from the government?
3: You know, it, it, I've been thinking a little bit about that issue, and I, it's a complicated issue. Someone actually, I was at an uh, at a great event with the Brownstone Institute over this yeah. past weekend in Miami, and I saw pictures.
1: Brought, <laughs> oh, cool! I yeah, saw photos. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, brought
3: that mind. issue up, and and I and I, I, I started thinking about it a little bit. Is I understand if your hospital wanting to have some control or protocols over how you would treat how your patients are treated who are in that hospital but at the same time it it doesn't also doesn't seem right or appropriate for a doctor to be prohibited from using an fda approved drug which is in his or her clinical in the interest of the patient just because that patient's in the hospital so i you know i think it's something that it's definitely something i need to think more about in terms of what's happening on the ground i i think it's a tough tension because a lot of a lot of hospitals do have protocols and it's i from what i've heard from docs who are practicing in the community it can be a mixed picture in terms of the type of response they receive that being said, we've worked with the Agency for Healthcare Administration, which oversees hospitals, and issued formal guidance to hospitals that they should respect whatever protocols doctors want to use for their patients. So we've said that, and patients or families who have problems can contact us if they, you know, if they run into an issue. So I haven't I haven't heard I I, usually, I I certainly receive complaints, but I haven't received any complaints on this particular issue in a long time. So I think it's had some teeth, some effectiveness out issuing that guidance. But it's it, my my position is what has is really always been, if, you know, first. If a doctor wants to use a medication, I mean, they went to medical school just like you. They 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 have a license just like you. They're board certified. If a doctor wants medication, like why do you have to get in that doctor's face and try and you know tie the doctor's arms and 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 make them not use the medication? Right. That that's right. that just doesn't make sense. It's it's also harmful professionally. It's just a dumb idea. So let doctors practice medicine in the ways that they think are appropriate. That's that's mm-hmm. really been my position the the whole time since the beginning,
2: you know, yeah, no yeah. one, you know, we. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Drew. You sound like you were going to jump. I was going to
0: say to to I was going to read something off Twitter. As people are watching and commenting, obviously, and uh, Cher asked, "How are you able to stand up to the establishment while others are not?" Which is sort of a you know what you and I were talking about earlier. It's like what happened to us. Why can't we? You know, I, I was think while you were talking, I was thinking about the way somebody who disagreed with you say dr uh, ladipo that group would come at you with these ad hominem horrific you know atrocious attacking negative if i disagreed with if you disagreed with them let's say they you know they think vaccine policy should be universal and all the way down to h2 you would disagree with them you wouldn't attack them as human beings it's a, it's such a yeah. weird I've never seen, I, 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 when I get attacked by colleagues on Twitter, I, my immediate thing is to DM them and say, let's get on the phone. We have to restore collegiality in this profession because people that are allowing themselves to get into this weird, like I said, it used to be just, hey, I disagree. Your ideas are interesting, but they're wrong. Now it's you're a evil, bad, dumb, anti-va, whatever, you know, all these words that people are using that are all about who you are as a human being. And that's that has to stop, that must stop, but the question the patient the uh, Twitter user is asking is how how did you stand up to so much when others couldn't
3: well yeah it's it's actually something that that i I talk a lot about in my book. in fact, it was probably and not even probably it was the reason the real reason I wrote it and i I talk about public health, yes, but you know it, i I personally had a journey from Yeah. When I was a, when I was a little boy happened to be uh, sexually molested by a babysitter and I, I didn't think it was a big deal was as I, as I grew up, but you know, it turns out that the experience actually really instilled a lot of fear and fright in me and in my heart and around my heart. And I didn't, I didn't, I, I, and I thought everything was fine and I didn't Really, come to realize how screwed up I was in, t- in terms of living in fear and not being able to emotionally connect with other people, until I accidentally, li- literally, accidentally, fell in love with my wife over the phone. And uh, we were we met, and she was going to different cities, but we had a great time talking on the plane. So we stayed in touch, and I fell in love with her over the phone. And it, when you fall in love all your stuff, like all your problems, all your issues, they come up to the surface because that's how, you know, there's no more powerful light than love. And that started a journey that, uh, that she helped guide me through and supported me through. And eventually I worked with a guy named Christopher, Christopher Maher, who's a a former Navy SEAL. And he has very talented guy who used, methods from Chinese meridian theory and, and all this stuff to, to get the fear through a lot of physical stuff is because it turns out that fear, anxiety, shame, self doubt, agitation, irritation, it, it, it's stored in our bodies, it's literally in our muscles and our, and our tendons and all that. And, And I know it sounds nuts, and I didn't even believe it was true until I worked with him. but. Basically, through uh, through a lot of physical manipulation, some of which were very painful, in fact, initially, I got to get free of my fear and 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 my shame and things like that that I didn't even know I was holding on to, and um and and that's why I'm able to do all that I've been able to do, and uh, thanks to my wife and Christopher Meyer, and that's why I'll keep doing what I've been doing.
0: And there I is more spoken talk. about you're this. Talking. I know you've spoken about this, and I, again, it's one of the other areas in which I admire you so much. And I think, you know, we've really, in my humble opinion, went through a pandemic of that kind of childhood trauma as well, as well as multiple other adverse childhood experiences. And now we can add COVID to the adverse childhood experience and trauma that, no, that we've and- been perpetrating on children for quite some time. But but I, 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 you know, this is my area of interest for the last 30 years This is what I've been dealing with. If you have, I've always tell people, if you have bad enough drug addiction that you need to see me, you had childhood trauma typically Typically a trifecta of sexual sexual abuse physical abuse neglect uh but you and I should talk about this sometime once the pandemic is in the rearview mirror do you, are you familiar with bessel van der Kolk's book the body keeps the score
3: i've heard of the book i haven't read it uh but if yeah. what that author is saying is that uh, yeah. is that your body has what you're your saying history
0: he's saying what you're saying Every, yeah he's it, saying what it you're is saying absolutely. Yeah, crazy and, and, it is and just know it's absolutely no, true No, there is a, you might be interested. There is a world of, of professionals working on the neurobiology of what you're describing. And I, when we, I would love to introduce you to all those people down the road somewhere, but it's something I've been fascinated by for quite some time. And I can introduce you to some of that, but you, you, you continue to to be a source of light in that.
3: No, thank No, thank you, doctor. I, I just want to say for listeners, like, I didn't believe any of this stuff. I did not think any of the stuff like you know, what I've described That's to you, the way I is. didn't believe it yeah. at all that, 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 yeah. that your, your experiences could literally be stored in your, in your muscles, like literally in your muscles, blocking your, the ability of chi to flow through you and therefore blocking your access to all of your power and your talents and your spiritual connection to God. I didn't believe any of that, but going through it. It is, it's definitely true. And, uh, and I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm infinitely grateful that, that I was able to do that because life is so much better now. And, and of course I can do a lot oh, sure. more too, but just being is just so much more enjoyable.
2: Well, I, I mm-hmm. truly appreciate you sh- you sharing that because it gives some uh, real insight into what makes you such a compelling and effective leader uh, and, and individual, mm-hmm. um, truly. Uh, it, I will say, speaking of childhood trauma, by the way, I mean, of, of all of the uh, horrible errors that were made during this debacle, and that's a long list from which to choose, perhaps the greatest was acting as if we were all at equivalent risk from COVID when we knew from the Mm. very, very beginning that children were at such a low risk of severe outcome from COVID as to be really indistinguishable from zero. Uh, yet we exacted an unbelievable toll on them. Um, everything from masking to this made up construct of social distancing uh, and you know, school furthermore, closures. the worst of it all perhaps was the school closures. Let's talk about that. You're undoubtedly aware of the tragic uh, results we are now seeing of those school closures, the the loss of learning, the loss of grades, uh, the failure rates, the dropout rates, increases in drug addiction and depression, suicidal ideology, social fear, insomnia, and on and on. How does Florida, so far, you guys did exactly what Sweden did and a few other bright spots around the globe and said, this is insanity, we're not doing it. Uh, and I am guessing that the state of Florida has not suffered from the same level of learning loss as the rest of the country or certainly red, uh, excuse me, blue areas of the of the country. Do you know how, have you looked at that data and seen how Florida schools and, and school children uh, are faring compared to the rest of the world?
3: Yeah, I, I have. And, you know, it, Dr. Victor, I just want to uh, punctuate something you said i've seen people write like in the new york times that we didn't know initially that the kids were low risk and that right. is it's either a lie or actually it's incorrect. a lie because right. I, yeah. I knew in march of 2020 when i was working in the right. hospital at ucla and and i looked at the data from wuhan with my right. residents that it was yes. very clearly i mean the kids were were basically totally unaffected in terms of Correct. any severe illness. So it was known from the beginning. I mean, people who yes. want to pretend that, well, oh, we didn't know, we didn't That's like, right. there's a word for that. And it Here starts with B. Part Correct. <laughs> and so, yeah, so we've looked and, and you're absolutely right. So overall, you know, Florida obviously allowed kids to have more access to schools and the learning losses in math and English were less, much less in 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 Florida, and interestingly, actually, we had, uh, you know, I'd have to look more at the data more granularly to give you more specifics, but we actually some of the some of our Hispanic and Black students actually did essentially either had in some areas had no loss at all, where and had some improvements during the pandemic, so. I think it was still hard for kids because in some counties in 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 Florida there was more subscription to the lockdown keep them out of school model from Dr Fauci and Dr Walensky, but uh, but by and large the students in Florida definitely did better academically and. They are, you know, they, and you know, there's also a Harvard study that showed it from their education, their Institute for Education Policy or something like that. So by and large, the kids here did better. And uh, that definitely, that definitely leaks out also into mental health and emotional well-being. Those numbers. Oh, for sure.
0: For sure. Better. Right. Totally. Yeah. Yeah, and but of course, there must have been uh, skyrocketing teacher deaths and hospitalizations. There must have been terrible right. pandemonium amongst the teaching population. <laughs> uh, yeah. What? It's what? How's that possible? Uh, oh my gosh! The, uh,
2: well, you, you just good. mentioned Harvard. Let, let's talk about Harvard for a minute here. You know, you, Harvard is your alma mater times too. You got your medical degree from there as well as your PhD. Uh, I don't have a PhD or a master's in public health, but I did do postgraduate training in public health, most of it at the Harvard School of Public Health uh, and the Kennedy mm-hmm. School of Government. Uh, I'm a mm-hmm. graduate of the National Preparedness Leadership Initiative from Harvard, and you know, I am now also I'm proud to say persona non grata at Harvard. Um, you know, they they don't um, it, it, they don't support anything that I have said during this pandemic when they know better. What the heck has happened to our schools of public health? Uh, I, you heard in the, my little intro, you know, is the mandate of public health? And I stand by this to consider the outcome of any particular mitigation scheme on the entire yeah. population, not just a single virus or a single group of people. And when we talk yeah. about health, we're not just talking about physical health, it's spiritual health, you know, psychological health, financial health, uh, all of those things. We are obligated in public health to consider what will the impact be on everyone from a lockdown, from social distancing, from masking, from not allowing people to attend weddings and funerals and graduations, and all of these things? Yet our public health officials largely abandoned us. The things that I was trained to believe, all of a sudden, somehow I was led to believe I was a heretic for saying them. In your mind, you have a PhD in this. What? happened to our public health schools and our public health officials.
3: Hypnosis, in my book, Transcend Fear, <laughs> I have a chapter dedicated to that. So people should understand, this is not a new concept. There is something in public health called health impact assessment. Like, right. and that's exactly what you just described that apparently you know, fell out of the heads of, of our colleagues. Yeah and our health officials like you learn that in, in the schools of public health and it, and that's exactly right. what it is right you, you look at an intervention you look at its intended consequences and you look at its unintended consequences right like that's that's health impact ass- assessment but you know, as you know, as all, as we all know, we did like something disgusting, which was just throw that out and only look at COVID and oh, what are the COVID numbers doing? And and here the kids there right. are are drowning in, in the, the fear of their, the adults around them and their, the, how their lives have been disrupted and and family businesses are are going out of business and and people are feeling despair, but we're looking at the numbers. So, (laughs) so, you know,
2: we're, and we, Right, and they closed the hospitals and doctors' offices, so no one's getting their their uh, screening colonoscopy, or co- excuse me, yeah. colonoscopy, their mammogram, their skin cancer. No one's getting follow up for diabetes and heart disease. Kids are yep. missing, you know, yep. eye exams and hearing exams. It, it was as if COVID is the only thing we can be concerned about, and it, it was the most bizarre thing. Then you take, you know, so to bizarre. your your point of that that we have always knew, and I maintain that we knew from the very beginning that children were at an incredibly low risk, essentially zero risk. We also knew from the beginning that masks don't stop the spread of respiratory viruses, Uh, that we've known it for decades, yet all of a sudden, all of our colleagues, and I would run into them at parties and say, for the love of God, I sat next to you in virology class. You know this mask doesn't do anything to stop the spread. You know people on the mainstream media started talking about social distancing, and the next thing you know, my internal medicine colleagues are removing every other chair in their waiting rooms, like what oh are God. you kidding what what we, oh this God. sort of stuff it was it we, in the words of you know uh uh Matthias Desmond calls it the uh, what's his the
0: those mass, mass formation psychosis term
2: mass formation psychosis thank for, you yeah. i I you know it was I, I don't it know what that's what it was it's and, that it's something yeah. and, it's something, uh, Dr. Lepno uh, that, used the word
0: hypnosis and it it's it's yeah. weird that we were hypnotized by the Chinese Communist Party policy. That's the weirdest little wrinkle on this. That's where it all started like some dude went to China was hypnotized into believing this policy yeah. invented by a bunch of bureaucrats, not doctors was the right way to go.
3: Right. and it gets better because now these same people that were enamored with oh right. they locked down so well, you know they really know how to do it in the beginning. <laughs> now, but now it's like oh those those that Chinese government is unethical. I can't believe they're doing. I mean, this is the same thing that constituted their wet right. dreams in the beginning of the pandemic, you know? Exactly, <laughs> exactly. No, you are so right. It's true. It is absolutely it's right. It's true. It's right. a It was catnip, and it oh was catnip God. early
2: on, and all of a sudden. So, you know, w- where in your mind um, does this go with regard to accountability? We now, you know, uh, Anthony Fauci just underwent a, a 7 our deposition um and testified it was very telling by the way if you read some of it i think he said i don't recall 174 times in in the uh you know it, 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 remarkable what he doesn't remember uh he yeah. should you know get lined up for a cognitive exam but um where well, in smart. your mind yeah uh yeah exactly uh you know, let's, you know, I, I'm a true believer that there is no healing without accountability uh, and without contrition. And there's certainly um, never the idea of amnesty that some people have suggested, I think is uh, is not acceptable. We need accountability. Talk about where you stand on that. And from your purview, you, you have a uh, sort of a rare view at this uh, from where you sit as as Surgeon General in Florida, where do you think this is going with regard to ultimate accountability um, at the federal level, at the and, pharmaceutical level, those sorts of things.
0: And, and not just yeah. accountability, but reassessment and, and making sure we yeah. don't do this again, or, or some sort of curtailment of, as we said at the very beginning, health public health authorities.
3: I think that, I, I would say two things. The first thing is I think that ultimately what you'd really want Is for the people, like just regular folks, to fully come to terms with what actually happened, the fact that they were lied to, the fact that they were manipulated, the fact that they were treated humanely, right? Oh, you can't, you can't. Your 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 husband or wife or mom or dad is dying, but you don't get to be with them. Mike. right
2: How you
3: can't know. be with them this is I think that i think that i think really taking that in and it hasn't happened yet enough and we're not there yet we're still we're still i think as a population we are still quite very vulnerable many of us to to being taken on another fear riding roller coaster but until that happens i, I don't think we can You know, we can really be bulletproof to the types of tactics that were used. In the meantime, as part of the journey, I think it's about continuing to seek truth, continuing to have conversations like this. And, you know, sometimes I mentioned, I mentioned it this weekend, and it really is true. You think about where we were two and a half years ago, right? And you look now, right? People that like you, Doctor Victory, who were very, who who were you know wise from the beginning, and were vocal from the beginning. It was incredibly lonely. There were very few people on that page. And now I would say that we have at least half of the Americans. I mean, in Florida, Governor DeSantis, I mean, he had sixty percent of the vote won Democratic counties. I, I think we have the people now in terms of being on the right, you know, being on a, on the, on the right page, on a page that is sensible in, uh, in, in terms of public health. And, but, and the things we're doing, I think are helping us get to that point as a population that we really need to get to, to be bulletproof to these types of, these types of strategies. And I think we need to keep doing it and we're going to be doing more in Florida and you, everyone's going to be hearing about that. We're, we're definitely not done. We're not resting on anything in Florida.
0: I think, Kelly, this yeah. is sort of a good place to kind of roll roll towards the end. Wh- where's your office? I want to come see you and shake your hand. <laughs> where? where? How do we how does one do that?
3: <laughs> well, you come to Tallahassee, and I Tallahassee, my family okay. live in the Tampa area, and I've got an apartment up here. So I go back and forth. But uh, yeah, you can come on to Tallahassee or or if you're in the Tampa area, you yeah, know, let me
0: know. All right. Well, I, 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 I can't tell you how to do that.
2: How, how much I appreciate you taking time. I know you have been just yeah. insanely busy during all of this. And I know you were just at, at that event in Brownstone uh, with, with all of tr- truly great thought leaders, the people who I have to say, you're, you're correct. It was very, very lonely at the beginning. And were it not for people uh, like Peter McCullough and Harvey Reich and Paul Alexander, and you people who have talked me in off the ledge on more than one mm-hmm. occasion, Um, I I wouldn't still be doing this, but uh, your leadership has been monumental. It's critical, not only honestly, to the state of Florida, Uh, you are are a national hero in this. And I, Mm -hmm. I really mean that. And I appreciate you having the guts to speak out. Uh, you know, in the words of John Milton, virtue untested is no virtue at all. Uh, it's at (laughs) personal risk and, and I appreciate you taking it. So, uh, anything you want to close out, anything we didn't cover that you feel like we should have gotten out there for people to hear? Um, uh,
3: no, it's all good. I think no, it's, it's really, it's mm-hmm. been, it's been a real pleasure. I mean, I, 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 see, I know we're on that same listserv too, Dr. Victory. So yes. I see your messages sometimes and, and yeah, you know, it's, it's, a, and I know you're in, um, no, don't tell me you're not, I know you're, you were south of us, like either in Irvine or San Diego, right?
2: Yeah I, yeah I yes i'm down in the desert i'm down in today i'm I, I toggle back and forth between northern Colorado and southern california so i'm down in in palm, the palm springs area right now
3: okay the palm springs area well i you know, I'd, I'd see and see you on 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 TV talking COVID you know from when i was back in california so anyway it's been yeah. a it's been a pleasure dr drew i really appreciate you being being saying the things that people, yeah, I was like, I was, I've been very surprised about some of the things you said. I was like, Oh boy. <laughs> we're talking about. Well, I, 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 I,
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, it's just, I, I, I'm not saying don't be afraid. Uh, no, no. I'm just, I'm not saying I understand everything. Why? I there's got a lot of, I've just got a ton of questions and I, and it's yeah. very confusing why those questions are, uh, somehow sacrilegious or problematic. It's just I you know once I really have some clarity, then great. maybe I'll be clear you should be vaccinating three year-olds I, I I don't know i it's a, right. that's the way medicine works. It's a moving target. you learn as you you, you it changes all the time. but in the meantime, my eyes have been you know scales have fallen from my eyes on a many different issues that I did not know that we had in, in our profession. It's it, it, uh, many different things I've learned about and Kelly is exposed to me to many different uh, guests here that have helped me sort of m- make further sense of things. Uh, and well, I and that's what this, that. you, I this
2: platform as you Go say, ahead. this platform has been great because it has brought back uh, the robust vigorous debate that it was uh previously the cornerstone of medicine it's what we really yeah. all trained on all of us uh, trained in that and the fact that that hasn't been allowed during this pandemic was a big part of the pro- of the problem so i appreciate the platform and i appreciate you sharing it with me yeah i think you're, you, yeah. you what you are referencing is my uh, appearances i'm on kusi in san diego frequently Man, so oh, okay. most of that that's that's, yeah that around. that yeah that's where you've seen me a lot i I'm their go-to yeah. COVID person.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and as, as it pertains to to our our platform here, I mean, so, some of I don't agree with everything our guests have said, but I found their ideas interesting, and they've made me right. think, and that's great. And yeah. some of the things have expe- enlightened me. And th- uh, social distancing, you know, uh, talking to Paul <laughs> Alexander about where that came from that was a that was a mind blowing to me. And uh, so the and the, Kelly, you've always said it. You've been right there talking about it being a total fiction. And he was there when it was invented, when the fiction yeah. was invented. So any anyway, event, I'll let you guys right? go. It's all Kelly. This Dr. is all Kelly's <laughs> doing here. Dr. Lab Depot. we appreciate it. And, and, and we're
1: going to Tampa, Drew. I want to go see mm-hmm. K.A. She loves our
0: Tampa. Well, that's what I just said. I want to make an effort to go shake his hand. We'll, come I, on, I, come I will. We
1: will. Oh, my wife's over.
0: Yeah. <laughs> all right, uh, I'm serious about it's this. A so we'll, we'll it's a, it a date. We'll figure it out. All fun. right, you guys, uh, we yeah. have uh, coming up uh, next week, Kelly. Do you know who's uh, next week with you? Ye- uh, yes. It, Dr. David uh, Weissman. Dr. Yes.
2: David Weissman. Yes. Uh, pharmacologists, uh, should be a great, great conversation. Uh, he's, he's charming and, and, uh, really entertaining and it will share gobs of great, uh, great data. And then after that, we have Dr. Teresa long, uh, Lieutenant Colonel Teresa long on the 21st, the following Wednesday, yes. she is uh, yes. one of the three military quote whistleblowers. And it was posting her sworn testimony in front of Congress that got me permanently banned from Twitter. So, uh, so we are, we are sort of joined at the hip as a result. Um, so we've wow. got some great folks. Coming up, and then, oh. um, yeah, even into January, I think we've, we've got people into January, February. I know Dr. Cole's coming back, we'll, so uh, um, Cole's
0: coming back, yeah. But,
2: but the next two weeks, we've got uh, Dr. David Weissman next week, and then uh, Lieutenant Colonel Teresa Long the following Wednesday,
0: and uh, fabulous, yeah, I, and uh. I was going to make some quip about you being kicked off because of uh, what. Uh, she, <laughs> oh, I know what I was going to say, which was uh, Caleb prepare prepare a call to YouTube once once, once these two to get together. <laughs> let's, let's make sure exactly. that we don't suffer the same fate. Um, There'll okay, be well, smoke coming from um... smoke coming from your PC. <laughs> <laughs> Drew's gonna have a little
1: uh, one-on-one o with the debunker. From yeah, tomorrow. tomorrow. I,
0: I, you know, I, I feel like we should. Uh, I, sh- I at least should take on people that are critical of some of the people we have on here or the conversation we're having. So we're gonna somebody... be. Or how you don't
1: push back enough? Or yeah. Whatever. So some
0: guy was going off on Twitter. I said, "Come in, let's talk." At um, least but, he's going to. And a few other, those sort of the notables were were retweeting and amplifying his message. So I thought, let's be a good guy to get in here. And, and then Dr.
1: Ram Yogendra, our Old Buddy from COVIDLongHaulers.com and yep. Bruce Patterson are coming next Thursday.
0: All right. That's uh, it's a loaded uh, slate coming up. Yeah, uh, we, we're busy. And, and Dr. Victory, we'll see you next week. And the rest Sounds of you, we'll see Thanks. you tomorrow.
1: Thank you, Kelly. We are
0: going to be in early tomorrow. Tomorrow is 2 o'clock with the debunker, so it should be an interesting. Those of you on Restream, please, uh, and also those of you over on uh, – on the rumble rants, you guys could be helping. All the
1: haters can uh, yeah, come hate on, on you in. tomorrow. So, uh, we'll be we, good. Will,
0: we will see you I then. Can't wait. Tomorrow, 2 o'clock. See you then. Ask Dr. Drew is produced by Caleb Nation and Susan Pinsky. As a reminder, the discussions here are not a substitute for medical care, diagnosis, or treatment. This show is intended for educational and informational purposes only.